For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Good evening. Obviously, we're joining you on Monday and we are extremely happy after yesterday. So this is going to be a great show for you tonight. We will just warn you that my three panellists, if you see them keep looking left during the stream, <laughs> because I've got three eager fans <laughs> watching Crystal Palace and cheering Palace on versus Arsenal tonight. So we can give you live updates as this is going on of what is happening at Sellers Park. And hopefully we'll be getting a few cheers throughout this first half of Palace getting a couple of goals, hopefully. So before we get into this tonight, as you can see on the screen, all the guys have got their Twitter handles on there. So if you want to give any of us a follow, give us a follow. Make sure you get over on Twitter to atcoys.com and give us a follow where you'll be getting all decent content. There's some great products on that site as well. It's a great app for all Spurs fans. So let's not hang around. Let's get into this tonight and welcome the panel. As you can see, returning tonight after his debut performance last week, and we had to get him back given the fact that last week was a mystic coys where we all gave our predictions for the rest of the season and we couldn't not have the full house because we gave a full house in that prediction show of wins. We got it. Jacob, welcome back. How are you feeling, mate, after that performance and that prediction? Yeah, all good. All the prediction went down the down the cars quite quickly, but um, in terms of the performance, first half couldn't. Oh, I could complain until Ben Davis equalised. Second half, yeah, you know I mean, my kids were just wondering what sort of dad they got because I was going mad <laughs> in the living room. Do you know what I mean? I, my, I was picking up my son and all sorts. Like we'd won a cup final because I was just happy with the performance. So, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a good performance. Happy with that, and you know, another nine, nine, eight. Or is it eight games we've got left or nine? If we can perform uh, yeah. every game, I don't think there's too many teams in the Premier League that will stop us, bar possibly Liverpool. So, onwards and upwards, it was a good performance. Good stuff and good to have you back, mate. And obviously, returning are the two regulars. So, Ryan, have you been this week, mate? And obviously, I'm sure yesterday started the week off perfectly for you, mate. Oh, yeah, I couldn't have been better. Like I say, these uh, last nine games we've got a huge season-defining. So, to get off to a start like that, with like we spoke about last week, the goal difference actually going above Arsenal on goal difference. That I start the perfect week for me now. Like Jacob said, let's need to keep the momentum going now and look forward to Villa. Exactly, and joining Ryan again as always. A very happy man was there yesterday as well. Patrick, how have you been, Patrick? Good start to the week for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm fantastic. And then afterwards, we was in the bricklayers. You saw the Pulicheski. You saw the videos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so loads of Spurs fans have tweeted and retweeted that. I got followed by quite a few Swedish um, Spurs fans yesterday as well. So <laughs> my network's growing and all of that. So yeah, man, really happy. <laughs> So, um, I can't complain, man. I can't Reaching the continent now. Yeah, I'm, followed, I'm, followed, I'm now followed by um, uh, Swedish Spurs, and they're quite big over there. So, I, I didn't know we had a fan base over in Sweden like that. So, it's nice to, to you know, to meet new people and buck up with new people via the powers of social media. So, yeah, man, it's all good. It's all good. That's it, mate. That's it. It was a brilliant win. And let's not hang around talking about it. Let's get into this one. So, I think, as we said there, I think as Jacob said, first half, 
was a little bit of a strange first half for us, wasn't it? Because we weren't we weren't playing badly um, at all by any means. We weren't playing badly, and we were always felt we always seemed to be in control of the game. But Patrick, again, one kind of silly free kick to give away on the edge of the box, wasn't it? And then obviously we get punished as usual. Larice for that goal, Patrick. Where do you stand on that from what you saw? Because I think you're behind that goal, aren't you? Yeah, I was literally. Yeah, so, so to be fair, I was in the greatest place. Obviously, it wasn't great that we conceded there, but most of the action in the second half came on on our side. So it was great being in the south stand. But Sonny gave away a silly free kick. It was really soft, but it was silly to give it away in such a dangerous area. I don't know, Larice. It's a tricky one because I'm um, obviously in the game. It, sorry, at the ground, you only see it once. I only saw it in real time, and I saw it on the TV. But it's you know on the big jumbotron monitors. But it's not the same as watching it at home and being able to rewind it and have the an- analysis. So I saw things on Twitter saying Larice has finished. Should have done better. Should have saved it. But it's a bit harsh. I mean, he did see it late. He did get a hand to it, but. You can't really blame the keeper for letting that in. It literally comes at you within the blink of an eye and you either react to it or you don't. No one can question Larice's. There's lots you can question about Larice, but no one can question his reaction saves. He's probably the best keeper at one-on-one shot. Not one-on-one, but in terms of reactionary saves, Larice is up there with the best of them. So I can't really get onto him. Um, should have never conceded it in the first place in terms of the free kick. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Most keepers, any keeper could let that in, but... When you get a hand to it like that, you should obviously push it around the post. So I wouldn't really blame Maurice for that. Um, defensively, we do turn to we do seem to be quite susceptible to set pieces, and that's something I'm. I'm even though we've been scoring bunches of goals, I'm always worried when we concede a corner or obviously a free kick in a dangerous area because we're always susceptible to the second ball uh, coming back in or even obviously being beat on the first one like against West Ham. So. I won't really get onto Larice. He's been great. Distribution and obviously sometimes decision making can be a bit dodgy. But in terms of saving, he's, he's he's there's no problem. I mean, there was a moment where he ran out. I don't know if you guys saw it. He literally ran out. He was caught in no man's land. Mm-hmm. Came to nothing. But I'm like, what the hell are you doing? So sometimes his decision making is still very questionable. But I mean, at his age now, we know what we've got. He's still one of the best keepers out there for me. No one's perfect. So it's just one of them ones you have to ride through it. Yeah, I think we've always seen, haven't we, Brian, that with Larice, it's almost a bit like he can go into a bit of a red miss mode, can't he, for, say, five or ten minutes at certain points. And if he gets flustered or suddenly something happens where he might have been questionable on a goal, it's almost a bit like he has to try and just gather himself, doesn't he, reset. Because what you can see with Larice is one mistake can often get followed up by a couple of iffy, you know, like we say, the running out where you're thinking, well, why are you coming for that? He possibly could have done better with the goal, couldn't he? You know, if you're a goalkeeper, if you get a hand to that, you're probably thinking you want to need a stronger hand and, and be able to push that away. But do you agree with Patrick? Do you kind of think that comes it comes through the wall pretty quick, doesn't it? He, he does at least get down. Were you putting that one on Larice, or do you think, again, that it's harsh to kind of blame him in that situation? No, I was more annoyed with the free kick being given away, to be quite honest. Like, like we said, it's a daft area. I know they scored from it, but like Pat said, it's come through a crowd of players. He's hit with some power as well from where he's at. So it's, it's unfortunate, but yeah, you've, you've said it yourself. When Norris makes one mistake in a game, you just pray and hope that yeah, he makes a save within the first five minutes of that mistake and 
gets his confidence because he's all he always seems like he's trying too hard to redeem himself. Once he feels, and you can imagine he's probably harder on himself than any of his fans could be if he feels like he's the one who's made the mistake. So he, he tries a bit too hard to redeem himself, gets caught running out. And like I say, I think he was given offside in the end, but he could have, that could have been given a penalty if he stayed onside and he actually brought him down. So he does need to calm down a little bit, but like I say, I can't complain. I'd still rather have him think I'd rather have Loris with one leg and one arm over Galini. So I'm I'm just happy we've still got him to be honest. <laughs> or yeah. Joe Hart. God forbid we would have had Joe Hart in goal. Yeah well Nuno definitely wouldn't have been having Joe Hart would he compared to their <laughs> no. conversation. You know yeah. Joe Hart probably wouldn't have even been getting off the ground for that one would he if, if Nuno had his way. I must admit I don't think Nuno was the only one potentially not comfortable uh-huh. with Joe Hart yeah. playing a minute for Spurs. I must admit whenever his name was on the team sheet you kind of thought uh oh let's hope they yeah. don't hit one from range here. But Jacob it was a t- you know, like I say, it wasn't the best of starts for us, was it? We were a little slow out of the blocks, but like I say, we didn't deserve to be one down. Um, what was your take on the goal? You know, where do you stand with the Larice? I mean, that, let's be honest here. You, as Patrick said earlier, we can't really knock Larice, can he? Because how many games has he kept us in? He mm-hmm. is one of the better goalkeepers in the league, I think, for shot stopping. I mean, if you could put a highlight reel of some of his saves together you'd have some of the most spectacular saves you've seen. You know, we all remember the Champions League one where he manages to keep it from going over the line, almost mm-hmm. on the line. And you think, well, how has he managed to keep that out? So do you pin some blame on him there? Or are you like the guys and basically saying, it's a tough one for a goalkeeper that? Yeah, it's tough because I think there's a lot of keepers out there that are setting a high standard. So there is a, you know, like the boys said, that Lloris is... A top goalkeeper but it's like um it's like what you say with football players you get world class and you get those um, players that are just that little bit below so your world class keepers would be like sort of Allison, Oblak you know people like that now Norris is a top keeper but he ain't nowhere near the, that that level but then the next bunch he, he's down there because like you said shop stopping is brilliant I just think it's his uh decision making like you said because it can be a bit rash and I don't know for, for the last sort of five years, even when Lloris gets the ball at his feet and he's he's got to pass it or distribute it, some, somewhere in your heart it sinks because you don't know if he's going to clear it properly. Do you know what I mean? It feels like he, he holds onto the ball for a second longer. So, you know, at, at, at that goal, it's like everybody can say he's at fault, but, you know, as a fan, if you're are you a goalkeeper that would have stopped that? Because that ball was coming really fast, you know. For me, I'm looking at that thinking, would I even stop that with my feet, let alone my hands? So... It's, it's one of those, I think, if you looked um, when the goal went in, he was having a go at a few of the players. And I think the reason was is that I don't think he was happy with the wall because it came through there quite easily. You know, the, the, the shot was quite central and then bent its way towards the corner. So I think Lloris was a little bit annoyed that the, the wall didn't do its purpose. But again, the ball came on his side and he should have saved it, really. You know, nine times out of ten, Lloris saves that with a stronger arm. I just think it's difficult because I hate going in goal. Um, a lot of people don't like being in goal and it, it was a ball that was fizzed in and, you know, if it wasn't a free kick and Shah has a shot as a normal player, Lloris still might not have saved it because it was a decent enough shot and with decent enough power. So I don't I don't blame him wholeheartedly, but I think it'd be a different conversation if the game, if we lost the game, then I think every single one of us would be blaming him. Yeah, I mean, having been a keeper myself in my younger years, you say it, it, you're in a no-win situation there because... Like I say, if you're an outfield player, you can make a mistake, you know, misplace a pass, nothing happens. The goalkeeper, the minute you make one mistake, it's in. 
and you're suddenly being looked at as being to blame. But it's a goalkeeper's law. Whenever you concede, you blame a defender. You know, you always have to get off the floor. Going, What's going on? You never take the blame as a keeper. Even if you've let one through your legs, you've always got a defender to blame for that. <laughs> so we went one down. And like I say, we weren't, we weren't bad, but we weren't at it as we could have been. And, and as we did pick it up in the second half. But I felt one of the most crucial things in that game Going one down, you could feel that a little bit of tension creeping, couldn't you? Thinking, oh, here we go again, Newcastle. Now they've got the lead. It was vital, wasn't it, Patrick, that we got level quickly and before half time? Because I kind of think if you don't, that game then turns into a real, you know, the the, the setting at half time is, oh, here we go. This could be tight now. Top four's on the line, but we get straight back in it, and that was vital, wasn't it? Yeah, it was super vital. We were so efficient because, um, like you said, Carl, we didn't play badly. I wasn't really worried or troubled with Newcastle. It's not like they had us under pressure. It's not like they were moving the ball around and we couldn't. I've been there against Wolves and Southampton where, we're, where I'm like, what's going on? We can't even yeah, get near the yeah. ball. We, we were, were outplayed so, those nights. Yeah, we? exactly. Yeah, this wasn't it. the case, though. No, this it was wasn't it. the we case. We were in control. We were in control. We were comfortable. And then all of a sudden, we give away a, a cheap free kick and we're 1-0 down. So I'm like, ah. Oh. But as you know, goals goals create moments and those moments can change the game. And all of a sudden, if Newcastle up for it, thank God they weren't, but if Newcastle had their tails up and really go for the juggler, we could be 2-0 down at half-time and then the whole stadium is just feeling airy and it gets to the players, it seeps through. And before you know it, you know we've dropped a banana skin and a clanger in the game that we had to win. So getting, getting I mean, credit to the lads, Sonny, Kane, Ben Davis, all the fullbacks, they were bang on it. They didn't, it didn't let it get to them. And then um, obviously Son takes a corner, the ball gets recycled. He whips in a fantastic second cross. And then it was right in that danger zone. And pretty much any touch from an attacking or defending player is causing the keeper a problem. And credit to Ben Davis because it was a really good header. And then we're back in the game. So, yeah, this, that's great. And um, I think they showed a stat that we've taken the most points from losing positions in the Prem this season so it does go to show that we can obviously go one down and fight back because there have been times where once you go a goal down you know this team is finished and they're not gonna but now there's that belief that even if we do go a goal down we're still gonna stick to the game plan and I think as well what I'm seeing and loving is that there is a game plan there is an actual style and an identity and obviously we'll talk about it more in depth as we go on in the show but yeah fullbacks bombing on defenders pushing up if somebody's pushing yes! Oops, sorry, yeah, I forgot. That's all right. No, don't apologize. Oh, wow. That will let you know that Crystal Palace must have gone one up yeah, in this game tonight in the moment. I don't yeah. yeah, is there is there any chance it could be offside or you know, like or you know, with VAR, you just don't know. But yeah, yeah. no, I'm gonna make myself feel like a right idiot now. I don't think I don't I don't think there's anything to stop that. That should be bad. It looks like he's headed it back towards him anyway. I'll take a look stressed. We are giving you this is like sky Saturday okay. here right now, people. Not even we are giving you. offside now. Not even no, it's on. It's one nil Palace. Oh, there we go. The perfect start. The perfect, perfect start. start. Well, let's not it, get too ahead of ourselves. Newcastle went ahead, it. and look what happened yesterday. I know. I'm not to, not to be horrible, not to, not to jinx it, but obviously we just need to be careful and steady here. But yeah, so um, what's I and funny enough, this is literally the role reversal of us. So we went a goal down. Now it's time for you know we showed our character and our metal yesterday. Uh, and obviously we're going to talk about individual performances, but as a team, 
I couldn't fault anyone, even people like Emerson who come in and there was a few doubts and naysayers. He had a fantastic game. Um, I'm just really happy with the team. And I said it before that I was confident we could go on a run. And even to be fair, we've won five out of the last six. Even the game that we lost away to Man United, I still feel we were the better team in that game and we should have got something out of that. So in the last six games, we put in good performances. So there is that level of consistency coming. We're scoring at least two goals in most games. The fact that we're now you know, going into this game above Arsenal and goal difference shows what a goal swing we've had in the last six games. I think we scored like 21 or 22 21, goals. 20, it's 21 yes. goals in the last yeah, six games. And we'll that's be, insane. They are prolific at the moment that's in it. terms that's, of that's, scoring. That's levels of Man City and Liverpool. And if you keep that up during the, the season, then you are, that's why they're on like plus 5-8, plus 60. Because the goals are coming. So, you know, obviously you take it game by game, but there's lots to be happy about. Even the most, you know, negative Spurs fan can see that there is definitely something there at the moment. Yeah, Ryan, like I say, we've had games before where when we've gone behind, you're starting to think, oh, you know, did this this could this could be trouble. Or like I say, although we wasn't playing great in that first half, we were so in control. Was you worried at all, or did you just think, right, no, this is purely just going to be a matter of time before we we get our we get our opening, we get our goal, and then we take it on? Or was there any moment in yourself where you was thinking, oh, this this wasn't what we needed? No, I weren't. To be honest, I weren't worried. Like you say, I I, I didn't expect the game to go and finish five one. I didn't expect us to completely open them up the second half but I I'm still expecting maybe a 2-1 win come out strong second half they don't I don't Newcastle don't worry me to be honest I think they've, in my opinion they've only got one yeah they only have one good player starting that game St Maximan uh obviously Trippier wasn't there and Bruno was on the bench so it didn't panic me uh the only thing that worried me I'd probably say is we didn't get Kane <clears throat> as involved as I wanted us to in the first half, obviously the involvement he had in the second half. Well, I think that reflects in his performance in the second half, doesn't it? Yeah. When we got started getting him the ball, we see what happens exactly. at that point. When once he gets the ball and he's on song like that, there's just the passing range of it. Obviously, they spoke about it on Monday Night Football tonight, comparing him to the likes of Rooney and Burkamp and Cantona, creative. But the thing he's probably got on. Your Burkamps and Cantonas, maybe not so much Wayne Rooney, but it's not it's not just his passing abilities. He's still the best finisher in the league as well. That's he's got both he's got double barrel. I mean, how anyone could complain that Tottenham asked for so much money in the summer from Man City obviously doesn't watch Harry Kane as much as we watch him. We know what he's worth to the to this club alone, he's he's worth two hundred million, never mind the one fifty that was labelled out there. He's 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 too valuable. So, whenever you've got him on the pitch, even like say Sonny, if he's not if he's not putting in a performance, the numbers he's got this season are absolutely brilliant. He's only six off the golden boot himself. Now nah, he's, he's assists. I think he's about four off the yeah. uh, top of his charts as well. He's as as much as he's not performing as well as he has been. His numbers are just as good as probably they've ever been in the Premier League by this state. So once when you've got those two on the pitch. And Kulisewski is just slotted in perfectly. Like that final piece of a jigsaw puzzle you've been doing for 24 hours. He just goes straight in there, goes up front with those two. And it's, it's as long as we can keep it going, Carl, that's that's all that matters. One, now we, we lost the momentum because of the international break. 
now we've got a one-five-one. Now this has to go into the next game because I don't. We don't want to be here next Monday talking about a defeat. These boys know how much we need Champions League for someone like Kane to stay. If these lads want to challenge, want more players coming in, and the best player to stay, this these last eight games are huge. So fingers crossed. Even if even if we go one nil down in a couple of games, you just Yesterday gives you that bit more belief that all right, the lads can come together, they can calm down a bit, clear their heads, get us straight back into the game, and a lot more like that. We should we should be comfortable most games now. Yeah, Jacob, we, we I say we get ourselves straight back in it, um, and like as you say, as we've as we've all said, we weren't playing bad, but you just kind of felt that we did need to go up a gear in the second half, didn't we? Because mm-hmm. the first half, although we weren't playing bad. We weren't creating the sort of chances that we we needed to create to open Newcastle up. So we get ourselves level. Was you confident going into the break that once Conte can get hold of them, we come out for the second half a little bit better? Um, I wasn't overly confident, enough, but I think once I calmed down after the result, I kind of thought, you know, when you're, when you're a Spurs fan or any football fan, it's tense, isn't it? Especially when it was a slow build-up, you know, we were playing really slow. Harry Kane weren't touching the ball. But when you look at it, it's because you forget about the international break, you know, because we're used to week on week, then performing, um, you know, even though we lost to United, we still played well in that. Um, so then, you know, when I look back, I think the only reason was is that the boys were just trying to get their groove. I think once they got in with the with the goal from Ben Davies, it was like, I think Antonio had to give him a kick up the backside, but I don't even think he would have gone too mad. I just think they would have all looked at each other and thought, you know, as a, as a player individually, let me step up because... You know, Harry Kane wasn't even dropping. So I think I don't even I think when I look back at the extended highlights that um I don't even think I think Harry Kane was told to just stay up there as a number as a number nine, you know what I mean? Go and get the goals because Newcastle are going to drop deep. And then obviously that didn't work. So as soon as he dropped in and thought, right, you know what, I'm gonna do what I normally do. It took the mick. Oh, oh we've got another goal at Sellers <laughs> Park. We've got another goal to I tell you about. And it's Palace oh, again have oh. scored. That makes it 2 0 right now. Arsenal are officially bottling it. Well, wow. so oh, the on guys and 2 0 wow. to Palace at the moment. They're like you said, man, we've seen we've seen Premier League games where you're looking at this and then they're just, you know, teams have turned it around. So I'm yeah, it's a great start. It's a great start. It's, it's what we could have asked for. So let's just hope Palace keep this momentum going at the moment. That's it. So yeah, when I, if I go back to the fixture anyway, um the the first half, the, the, like you said the first half, right? It was it was lethargic, but I would have had a bit of taste in my mouth if we'd gone in one nil down. As soon as Ben Davis scored that goal, I thought, you know what? We'll, we'll we'll get through this. Um, and in second half, as soon as we got that second, I thought, right, you know, we, we're going to, we're not going to smash it, but I'm thinking we've got to get the third and then we go and get yeah. the third. And I'm like, what? And then I'm thinking once we got the third, I thought we're going to slow it down fourth, fifth. I was like, what? And realistically, I remember looking at a stat at one point, I think we'd had nine shots on target in the second half at the 80th minute and we'd scored four of them. I was thinking, well, you know, there's, there's nothing to say that we shouldn't have won seven, eight. You know, yeah, based yeah, on that second right, half, yeah. we could have scored six or seven in that second half. I, I, you know, I don't know what happened to Newcastle. David Ginola, you know, hinted at it because he was quite angry. And if I was a Newcastle fan, I would be as well. There was no reaction. You know, there was no reaction to them taking the lead. There was no reaction to the equaliser. And then when we went 2-1 up, they just threw, threw it in their tail where I think if they'd given a bit more of a performance, I think if they were in a relegation scrap, you probably would have seen a bit more of a reaction because they'd know that it's... Um, 
uh, a result that they need. But I think they're just they're on holiday at the minute and they know that they're going to get one more win or one more point that's going to secure them. So, yeah, I was happy with the performance. But the first half was uh, at, at, at that very moment, if you recorded me, you'd have realised how stressed I was. But when I look back, <laughs> I just think it was just the cohesion from the lack of seeing each other over the international break. So, you know, as um, Ryan alluded to, it gives you more confidence that if we go 1-0 down, unless it's against Man City or Liverpool, you know, any other team, I think if we go 1-0 down, rather than thinking, oh, here we go, it's Spursy, I think Conte's changing the way that we're we're thinking and just stick to the game plan and we'll win it. Yeah, Patrick, obviously the one man at Newcastle we're always going to look for and was always going to be a problem with St Maximum because, you know, let's face it, cracking player, one yeah. that, you know, I wouldn't be adverse to. If, if we'd signed him at some point, you go, well, this, this is an exciting player on his day. But I felt we handled him really well. You could really see there was a game plan, wasn't there, that when he got the ball, we were going to basically push him out as far wide as we can yeah. and we were going to go hard on him. It was This wasn't going to be stand off him. This was get in his face, stick a strong tackle in uh, and then we'll deal with him that way. And, and it worked, didn't it? Yeah, and that's what, you know what, and that's why I gave a shout out to Emerson because, um, you know, he's had a lot of critics and a lot of fans have jumped on him. But to be fair... He was ready to take that one-on-one -on -one battle with Maximan. And he, of course, you can get toasted and stood up, but he did a really good job. And you see a lot of defenders, like you said, Carl, they're back off a player that quick and that dangerous. Uh, Emerson did his job. Um, sorry, everyone's looking over that thing. So, yeah, Emerson did his job. <laughs> it put me off a second. I was thinking, what's going on? Is that another? Yeah, Emerson did his job fantastically. And oh my, Romero, such a Rolls Royce of a player. He knew when to bite. He knew when to back off. He knew when to like time his interceptions or when to go for the ball. He's so such a good centre-back. For me, I think, and I, I don't want to gas him up too much, but I think after Van Dyke, for me, he's probably the best centre-back in the league. He's that good. Um, you got to think as well, the guy had three months off and he just slotted back in. You know how Kudacheski's come in and slotted in effortlessly? That was Romero. And I think his first game back was against Man City, wasn't it? And yeah, well, just... I was just going to say to you, he still is kind of adapting in a way, isn't he? Because he's People missed so much football. Yeah. But... A, he's missed so much football. B, this is his first season in a new league. And usually they'd be like, oh, like Varane. Everyone's saying, oh, Varane's a great player, but he needs time. No one's giving... Um, no one's giving Romero that kind of, um, you know, that kind of grace period because he's just slotted in. You forget he's brand new to our league. So, um, fantastic player. And Maximan is so dangerous. He's one of those guys you don't want to face one-on-one -on -one because you don't know what he's going to do. He's quick. He can go both ways. And obviously, he's got the ball control to, to skin you alive. But... We nullified him and then essentially we nullified all of um all of Newcastle. And we also as well, we didn't allow the the creative, you know, almost like their Harry Kane, so to speak. I know no one's as good as Harry Kane like that, but John Joe Shelby, for example, we know if he has time and space, he can dictate and spread a spray a pass. Uh the difference with us yesterday is that when James Ward Prowse had time, or when James Ward Prowse had the ball against Southampton, we allowed him to look up pick a pass, set his feet and boom. We didn't allow none of their guys to do that. So you can see already the mentality is changing. You respect every player you play, every team you play. And obviously you do your business on the other side and you should win more often than not. Yeah, Ryan. So one one player who was vitally important in that first half and obviously doing that job and making sure everything ticks over was Benton Core, wasn't he? And, and what a first half. And, and again, 
what signing and the way he's come in. I mean, you know, like I say, in that first half, he just does simple things, but so effectively and so well, doesn't he, that help break up the game, but also help get you on the move in attacks. Like I say, he's not he's not spraying your Glenod all fancy 50, 60 yard passes, but it's those little turns in tight spaces and that control of the ball that can just get you moving and get you out of those situations, can't it? Oh, yeah, he's he's started off brilliantly for us. I mean, like you say, he's so calm on the ball. Sometimes it scares you how calm he actually is <laughs> on the ball because you think, oh, you you, don't, you ain't got that much time. But he gets out of things. And the best thing about him is, well, like you say, you, he's always there uh, when we're defending. He's always on the ed- edge of our own box. He's there to clean things up. Because you don't, I think, when you're watching, you don't realise how tall he actually is. He's, mm. he's at and he looks. I mean, I remember him getting up against Chris Wood yesterday and beating him effortlessly on the halfway line to win the header. So he's he's a tall lad, uh, asset for us, defending set pieces and attacking from set pieces. But the difference that he is compared to the rest of our midfielders, I think, is when when Newcastle are pinned back into their own area and we have to break it down. He's always looking for that forward pass. He, as soon as he sees one of those front players available in front of him, he will go straight to their feet and back them up as well. I think too many times with like your Harry Winksers, they'll play it safer. They'll go to a fullback or they might go back to Dyer or Romero. But he's he's willing to take that risk. And that's why if he gives the ball away in areas like that, you don't hear the fans moan or groan or get on his back at all because at least he's making the attempt to push the ball forward, get his closer to the opposition goal I think he's been perfect for us and like you say he's just come back from South America as well so he's probably feeling a bit jaded feeling a little bit weary but like I say the only thing that he did wrong that first off like we spoke about on Twitter yesterday was getting involved in that little bust up <laughs> your lad but we, we've been asking for players like that for so long haven't we so a player who's going to fight for the badges he's, he's not going to he's not going to shy away from anything like that and that's probably like Ramirez I think if it was Romero in his situation yesterday, I think we would have been down to 10 men because I think he would have got up and done something to Joe Linton that wouldn't have been legal. Never mind worthy of the It was Benton Cora, not Romero there. But not, hey, if these lads can keep doing this, this is obviously the summer recruitment hasn't turned out great with Galina. Obviously, Emerson's in and out, Hill's out on loan. But this January recruitment, if we could take that into the summer, get more players like that, if we get Champions League football, then anything's possible next season yeah Jacob you know obviously we'll, we'll talk about Kulisevsky later but Benton core has been just as big a piece in the jigsaw isn't he to come into that midfield especially with Skip being out for as mm-hmm. long as he has I mean the chances are I can't see us seeing much of Skip again this season you know maybe say the last couple of games so having him come in and sit in that position so well as he's done that is like I say you can't put money you can't value that can you for what he's given the team at the moment yeah he's smooth because like you know i've heard a lot of fans talking about what he does going forward but for me a lot of the stuff that he does going backwards as well is like invaluable like there was times where quite a lot um sam maximum would have emerson squared up you know and then romero would come over but then also bentacle would come over as well so Sam maximum amount of times he tried to cut inside Benton Core was there. If he tried to go through everybody, Romero smacked him out of the way. And then Emerson was just there to guide him down the line. So I think going backwards as well as going forward is brilliant. And it's 
you know, it's helped it's helped Heiberg a lot as well because Heiberg was under a lot of criticism. Um, but I think with Heiberg, I don't think you know Oli Skip was great, but then once Oli Skip went out, I think Heiberg's one of those players that puts all the pressure on himself to do everything, and then I just think he was a lost chicken. So um, with Bentoncourt in there, Bentoncourt allows him to go forward, go backwards. I think you, we're getting the best out of Hoiberg. We're getting the Hoiberg that we had that we first got because of Bentoncourt. And um, we all know in football, it's all about partnerships. And if you've got great partnerships throughout the pitch, you know, it works wonders. You look at Dyer, everyone's talking about him. He should have, we, we should have sold him in the summer. But then Romero comes in, all of a sudden he's solid. You know, Dyer's working well with Davis. Benton and Hoiberg, like I just alluded to, and then obviously you've got Kane and Son at the top end of the pitch. So, you know, I'm not saying that we're going to, you know, win titles and stuff like that, but the great teams, um, especially in the Premier League, have always relied on a good spine and having good pairings in between that. And, you know, the best of them was Man United um, in the 99 season. You had York and Cole, you had Keane and Scholes, and you had, uh, it was, it was the defenders then. It would have been, I can't remember now. Yep, Stam. Yep, Stam, and, and uh, brain's gone dead. Yeah, <laughs> yep, I know Yep, Stam is there, Ronnie Johnson, but you know there was a good. Yeah, May at some point there, but yeah, and, and I get. I think yeah, one of the yeah. things when I look at Bentoncourt and Hoiberg, I think what we're seeing is the partnership developing that Liverpool have right now, because obviously they rely on Trent and Robertson getting so far forward, it's vital that those two in the middle play that role of, right, I know when to go, I know when to drop, I know when to cover, when we can push, when we can't push. And those two are really developing or starting to develop that relationship, aren't they? Mm -hmm. That understanding. That's it. it. And it's like, it's all becoming like a well-oiled machine because originally we all knew that when Conte came in, we were going to play the three, five... You know, and it's either going to be three-five-two or three-four-three. But then it felt like a lot of the players didn't know what was going on. Now it just works like clockwork. Like when I'm watching Tottenham, it feels like you know what's going to happen. If we've got the ball, we're going to literally play it on the outskirts and then play it into the middle whenever necessary. Um, and if we're up against the cosh, we'll hit you on the counter attack. So I think Pat alluded to it last week that everybody thinks we're just a counter attack inside. But if you look at it um, yesterday. If we're just a counter-attack inside, then it should have been nil-nil. But we, you know, essentially for, I'd say, 70 minutes of the whole game, Newcastle were just following a ball around. So we, we do play decent football. I still believe that we could do with a magician. You know, if we play in that Newcastle game yesterday and you had an Ericsson in there or someone of that ilk, I reckon we're going to beat them by the same Yeah, it'd be 9-0. Yeah, it'd be 9-0. Yeah, you know I mean? Because Ericsson yeah. probably would have handed him, he, he would have handed himself a couple of goals in there. And... Harry Kane wouldn't be dropping as much yeah. as we needed Harry Kane dropping off. Ericsson would have been swinging him in for Harry Kane and he would have gobbled up a hat-trick last night. So it's just one of those where we do play good football and, you know, I hope that we get top four because I think if Levy backs Conte with the way that he's got this group of players set up, you know, God knows what he can do with a war chest and clearances that, of the players that he don't need. I, I called as a counter-attack team last week and obviously Pat's wisdom, as always, <laughs> guides me in the right direction. <laughs> like I say, the five goals we got yesterday, that's not counter-attack, that's football nah. from the back. That's, that's, why, that's, why, that's why I love working with Pat. Well, I, I think at one point in... At one point in the second half, I think we must have had a spell and I think it ended up with Winks trying to curl one top bins. But Mm -hmm. at that point, I think we kept the ball for something like 40 
or something passes and we're starting to build up the old (laughs) and we you know we've done it the football and keeping it in the right it's picking the right times to go isn't it the right time is just okay shuffle it across again now that okay it's not it's not opening up here let's go across but not panic keep it and and yesterday some of the football for some of those goals patrick we come to you because that second half what what a second half that was wasn't it scintillating and going back to what ryan and and jacob have said and what i've been saying previously it's such a negative and cheap misconception to say that we're a counter-attacking football team oh with kane dropping deep and son making runs you guys that's all your you know you literally got one route to score we actually don't if you look at a lot of our goals even the last goal against man city in injury time is 2-2 we there was like 30 passes before we scored it's definitely not counter-attacking football. We actually have a plan. And if it doesn't work on one side, we'll rotate, recycle and go the other way. And um, we've actually got quality quality in all areas now. Uh, and we have a game plan. And, and that's Conte as well, because essentially the cogs are still the same. We've had one or two, but it's just Conte getting the belief from these guys that we can play more than, oh, we should have scored. Damn. Palace have just gone close again, yeah. by the looks of it. The boys have got their hands over their heads. <laughs> Palace... You can, you can, listen, for those who are not watching this and listening to the audio, you cannot believe how tense this is getting. Oh, when, so when, if Ryan's not talking or Jacob's not talking, when one of the boys isn't talking, it is tense. Man, <laughs> you just, yeah, just, just to put into context for people on the audio, 2-0, I'm on 38 minutes. Um, Mateo had a chance to make it 3-0. I think it's game over. Right now, 2-0 is in the balance. The next game is so crucial. If Palace get the next one, I think Arsenal are done. Obviously, if Arsenal get the next one, it's 2-1, it's game on. So it's so tight at the moment. But yeah, just um, going back to what I was saying, we definitely play more than one type of football. Um, I'm loving it, man. I And I just think, you know, if we get top four, which I, we all said is doable and we all said we believe it, Conte will stay, Kane stays and Daniel Levy has to back Conte. We get in three or four, get rid of a few guys that are on the peripheral, like your Winxes, maybe your Bergwines, I don't know, Davidson Sanchez, and we get the players that Conte really wants, we can be a real force next season. Because even now, you're starting to see teams are worried. And and obviously, rival fans and pundits, they're now saying that Tottenham looks serious again. So, yeah, it's going, it's going well. Well, we're seeing, aren't we, Ryan? Like I say, when we talk about the summer, and obviously next season we'll throw in five subs, so there is an element of getting the squad depth right isn't there because you you'll be given the opportunity of bringing more depth on from the bench next season but we've seen haven't we if you get you know let's face it this turnaround has come off the back of just signing two players that were the two right players and this means you know you stop buying your french under 21 wingers and buy the players that you need for the right moment in time Again, that's two players, and look at the difference they've made to the squad. Now, we'll, you know, Doherty and Emerson have done brilliantly over the last few weeks, haven't they? But you could still, still, you still kind of feel that an upgrade in those positions and that just takes the team to another level altogether, doesn't it? Oh, massively. Like I said, there's plenty of positions that we could upgrade. I mean, obviously, you're talking about the five subs in the squad. I mean, I think. That's why it's massive when we get skipped back, not for him to go straight into the first 11, but it's someone who will then push Ben to Goran Hoiberg to keep their performances going. And because they know now they've got someone on the bench who 
Conte, you, you've seen in interviews, you've heard him, he loves Skip. That's why he's been given his new contract. He's He really rates Skip highly. So those two have got to keep fighting, keep playing as they are. <clears throat> Otherwise, they one of them could be out of the team. But Do, yeah, Doherty, the likes of Doherty, Emerson, Davis, players like that, they they could come handy as squad players. Like I say, the players you could upgrade on and players that we hope we upgrade on. But if you get Champions League, then that's what that's four competitions will be in next season. You need that squad depth. Like I say, five substitutes could, could come huge in certain games if we're struggling towards the hour mark, 70th minute. If you've got two or three dangerous players to bring on, I mean, Lucas obviously didn't start yesterday, but when he came on, you know you're going to give him the ball and the Newcastle defenders, they know exactly what he's going to do. He's not He's not going to go backwards. He's not going to just run side to side or pass it side to side. He's getting the ball when he's, he's, he's direct. He will run at you and he will try to create more. So when you've got players like that who you can bring on, it's a lot easier for us. So I think Conte will be here next season. I think Harry Kane will be here next season as well. I think... Like I say, if we get Champions League, it's absolutely massive because it opens a few more doors for us to bring in certain players. I mean, like I say, we've, the transfer window is not even open yet. We've been linked with Dybala on a free in the summer, Latore Martinez again in the summer. I see that's that's an avenue of how you keep someone like Harry Kane here. He, it's a bit. It's very similar to that old Teddy Sheringham situation when he left for Man United. He wanted the board and the club to buy players, bring players yeah. in so we could challenge. That's that's all Harry Kane wants. He wants to see his boyhood club bring in players. And he wants he wants every he wants his he wants his club to succeed more than Daniel Levy ever could want this club to succeed because he's a Tottenham fan. He's a Tottenham boy. Give him it. Build a team around Harry Kane with players obviously it's very hard to buy players similar level to Harry Kane, but buy players who could play with Harry Kane, who could complement Harry Kane and Son, Benton Court, players like that. And like Pat said, Jacob said it before, next season, you never know what could happen with this manager and a good squad. Yeah, Jacob, because that second half, that kind of shows us, doesn't it, where we're going. That kind of shows you the sort of football that we want to be playing. It, you know, like I say, the first half was a, bit, a little bit sluggish, but that second half, we upped the tempo. As you say, Harry Kane started getting on the ball a little bit more and then he mm -hmm. started to start to dictate the play, couldn't he? And that second half, we just, we just blew Newcastle away and they couldn't cope with the movement of that front three and with Harry supplying the bullets no one stands a chance today. That front three, the way they're playing at the moment, I don't think there's a defence in the country that wouldn't have a sleepless night knowing we're coming up against Kane, Son and Kulisewski tomorrow. That's it, yeah. I agree. Like like you said, the only the only the I think the only teams that are set up to deal with Harry Kane and Son if they're and Kulisewski, if they're um on fire is Liverpool just because Liverpool obviously are a world class side, but they've got they play a three in midfield that are just dogged, you know, unless they're playing Tiago. You know, if they play Henderson, Fabinho, and say uh, Naby Keita, I think between the three of them, if Harry Kane drops off, they do a job on him. And then if, if Harry Kane decides to stay as a number nine, they've got two very good centre halves. But by that, I think, you know, if, they, if them two can keep on song along with uh, Kozilevsky. And everybody else does their job. I don't see why we, we can't go on and beat everybody. They're just, it's just a wicked front three. You know, Lucas Moira, to be fair, I feel sorry for him because 
if Kane and Son had sorted out their act and they were playing well at the beginning of the season when Lucas Moira was, then I don't <laughs> think he loses his place, you know, because he was our best player while them two, for whatever reasons, were out of sorts. And it feels like as soon as they pick up their form, we bring in Kuzilevsky, Moira has two or three average performances and loses his, his spot. So, you know, if, if, if everybody clicked in at the same time, Kuzilevsky might have been the one on the bench and we probably would have been higher up in the table. But, you know, the front three... It, it, you know, they're, they're definitely the, the um, most informed front three. You know, Liverpool's front three, whichever three they put out, is always formidable. But because they've got so many attacking options, you don't even know who their front three is anymore because Jürgen keeps moving them around. So I think, you know, you take Liverpool out of the equation. I don't think anyone's got a better front line than us, especially on form. I don't think anybody has. So um, it's good to see that. It's just um, we just need to, we need, we need it to continue. You know, we can't. Like, like I think it was yourself, Cole, that alluded to it, that there's no point in us battering Newcastle 5-1, watching match of the day, all the highlights, and then going to Villa Park and dropping points because it, it, it kind of devalues the result that we just had as, as well as the performance. If we can perform like that against Aston Villa, again, I don't see, even if Aston Villa pick it up by 50%, I just don't see them beating us. Yeah, let's talk about Villa away then, because like I say, this will be again another challenge for us, won't it, Patrick, where you sit there and say, Villa are out of sorts at the moment, aren't they? But then they're not a side you can take lightly. I think, again, when we did our prediction show, Villa away was one where I'd put us down to lose that game. And I'm thinking the form we're showing right now, hopefully that's going to prove me massively wrong. When I did that prediction, we weren't in this sort of form. But this is another layer marker down, isn't it, this weekend when we come and go, go to Villa away? Because, again, another strong performance and good win there. You kind of sit there and go, I'm not going to try and disrespect the other teams we're playing, but you kind of think Villa away, that's one of the tougher games we've got coming up for the rest of this season yeah. that you think this could be a banana skin. So this would be a real, again, a stake in the ground, wouldn't it, performance if we get a win there? A hundred percent. And I said it um, on the clip that you put out during the week that Newcastle, you know, I expect us to win, but we need to respect the opposition. Newcastle have always been a bogey team for us, especially at yeah. home. They always somehow either beat us or they fluke a result. Yesterday was a completely different animal. And I think with Conte as a manager, you know, it sounds so silly to say because it's the same players re realistically, but a manager really instills that belief, that discipline, and Conte's up and down that touchline. He doesn't take no shit. No one can slack off for one millisecond. And you see it. We respected Newcastle, but we also put them to the sword. And I expect us to do the same against Aston Villa. Aston Villa were a good team on their day. They've got some very good players in that squad. But I expect us, with our quality uh, going forward and with Conte as a manager, I don't see why we can't dispatch them three or four or even five again. We're At the moment, we're playing such free-flowing football um, the fullbacks are even pushing forward. A everyone in that team believes they can get a goal now. Like you even see Romero getting into the box. You see um, Eric Dyer busting the gut to get into the. You know everyone's trying to push forward and get on the score sheet, which is fantastic. And yeah, um, I put us down for a win. You know, again, I'm not trying to be cocky or big headed. I think we'll win. I think we'll win quite comfortably as well without trying to jinx it. I just think we're in really good form. And I said it even like when we played Man United, we lost the game. But I saw a lot of signs there to say we're on the right track. And then since then, we've been building and building. And obviously, wins build confidence. Someone like Bergwijn coming in and scoring again, that's also going to breed confidence. Lucas Moura having a cameo, he played well. You know, it's, things are starting to click. So, 
yeah, um, Villa will be tricky. But, I mean, you saw what Arsenal did. I'm expecting, <laughs> I hope they just, you know, Villa are literally on the beach right now, aren't they? They're they are, done. yeah, that's right. Yeah. They, they, they've got nothing to play for other than pride and all of that. So, yeah, we have everything to play for. Hopefully, we just go there and get the job done. Just keep it. And I think, again, with people like Harry Kane and Hungman Son, they're at that age now where they know what they need to do and they just get everyone else on the same, you know, track or same hymn sheet. Hugo Lloris as well at the back. Just get the job done and then move on. Eric Dyer as well. People forget Eric Dyer is now a seasoned pro. You saw him coming out and talking, saying Conte makes no training session easy. Every training session, he makes it uncomfortable, which means it forces you to grow. And he is, for me, he's probably our unsung hero because we're not talking about him anymore, which means he's having good games. So he's just getting the job done. Usually when you're talking about a centre-back, it's because they're, you know, they're not doing well. They're messing up. Eric Dyer used to get caught sleeping and he was always all over the place. He's he's quietly become a very good player. Again, he always was, but it's back in there. So, yeah, I expect us to win. You know, every game's difficult until it's won, isn't it? But I expect us to win. And to be fair, I think we'll win quite comfortably, if I'm being honest. Yeah, Ryan, I mean, like I say... I predicted a little while ago, you know, when I did my running, that this could be one we'd slip up in. But I have to say, the form at the moment and the way we're playing has given me a bit more confidence where, you know, I don't think we will slip up in this game. Are you going into this? And we should be rightly, given our form, but are you going into this one confidently? I am, yeah. I mean, the manager we've got is just, he is different gravy. I mean, I think that's something that we, <coughs> that myself definitely, I've, forgot to say last week that one of the other things we've got to look out for is like a Steven Gerrard who will look at Antonio Conte and want to be his side to beat Antonio Conte's side because that's good for him if if he can if he, if he could uh, get his team to tactically beat Conte's team that's another little win for Steven Gerrard on his new he's obviously the new manager but he would love to leave that game and say look my tactics have just beaten Antonio Conte's tactics. I've outdone Conte in this game. So that's always going to be another uh, another bit of added pressure to the side. But, I mean, like like uh, Matt Doctor came out yesterday and he said under this manager, we don't feel any pressure, which is good. I mean, it shows for Matt Doctor. I think he's got five goal involvements in his last six games. So whatever the manager's doing, it's working Four is six. It's I think it's six. Four goals, that's two goals and four assists, something like that. I think it's, it's six. Six and six, is it? Yeah, six and six. That's what I mean. Look, I mean that the just the confidence for him. I mean, at the start of the season, you would have never have put Bro, the ball. The ball was bouncing off his feet. He didn't even want the ball. As soon as the ball was passed to him, it was like a hot potato because he you could just see the world was on his shoulders and he just didn't look comfortable. It's like he didn't want to be there. Now he's yeah. a he, he looks like the guy we signed from Wolves, if not better. So yeah, I mean, you even look at his face as well. Do you remember when like Matt Doherty would do something really stupid and the camera would be putting his face? You'd look at him and think you you just look so pissed off, mate. Yeah, you know mm. what I mean. Yeah, but that's confidence. For I mean, look at that. I mean, two months ago you would have never have seen him at the back post because he just wouldn't mm. have must have got to get in there to score that goal. And I mean, I do put it's an assist for Kane, yeah, but I think Kane was trying to find Son. But he's there. That's that's what you want from your player. He's there to capitalise on a bad touch from Son or the ball getting in. I think that's what that's probably the major key, as well as the likes of Harry Kane and Son winning the games. This manager we've got is a world class manager. He is unbelievable. That we and it's still I'm still shocked that we've got him after the chase in the summer. 
Nari's ER. It's that's our manager compared to Arteta and Ragnick and David Moyes is levels above those. Now the team just have to keep doing what they're doing. They have to keep listening to his tactics, listening to his advice, putting in the effort in training because you you could you just feel like as a manager he's somebody who takes training that serious it, it could decide whether you're in the first 11 on Saturday or Sunday or on the bench so as long as the boys keep working keep getting fitter because they look fit all the lads look fit obviously we went from Pochettino days to outrunning every side in the league to the Nuno Mourinho Ryan Mason era that was more sit back relaxed now the boys look a bit fitter they look hungry and Hopefully, like I say, the boys must want him there in the summer. This this will hopefully push us to that top four. They want him there because they know he will improve you as a player. And now it's up to the lads to keep doing that for us. So I don't think we'll I don't think we'll lose to Villa, like Pat said already. That we, fingers crossed, they just lay down for us like they did Arsenal. Give us a bit of an easy weekend. <laughs> if they don't, I still think we're good enough to go to Villa and beat him. Like I say, an early goal again, hopefully. We seem to get early goals away from home at the minute that puts the uh, opposition under pressure. So, listen, I'm confident in the boys at the minute. So, let's hope they can get the job done. I think they will. They're comfortable as well, actually. Like Pat said, I think another three or four goals in that game if we want it. Yeah, Jacob, obviously, I say, you know, Conte has got a Sunday now looking and, you know, playing to a system. And he has got those players that kind of were on the fringes or, you know, getting games but not looking confident, playing like Doherty, Royal. Obviously, let's say we see when he steps in at the weekend, Sunday comes on, has a good game, scores a goal. You've got mm -hmm. Bergvine coming off the bench. who would had a good international break and he carries that on. Do you just see that, again, we'll take this into the Villa game? Do you see any slip-ups or are you, again, are you like the other two guys and confident that we're going to go into this game and get the job done? And just as I say, we've got these cup finals to play. We will get these cup finals over the line. We just, yeah, we just need to start quickly. I think, um, I think it was Brighton we played that where we started off quite quickly and it got to the point where we just dominated the game. We weren't too fussed about Brighton, who is another team that are on the beach, essentially. So I think... If we go there and just play the, the same way we've been playing, you know, now if Aston Villa thought we were a counter-attacking side, they'll clearly see we're not. So they'll, they're not just going to drop deep and they're not going to push up. The, you know, I think the way we approach games confuses oppositions because we can do it both ways rather than one. So um, I think we, if we just approach it properly, I, I think with Villa and Steven Gerrard, I still think they're trying to figure out who's the best formation. When they try a formation, the player lets them down, you know, they have got players that can cause problems like Danny Ings, you know, Ollie Watkins, Coutinho. But I think with Coutinho coming in, as soon as they came in and they had that buzz because they had, you know, effectively a world-class player. But then now he, he's like, he's lost the buzz and so have they. And it just goes back to Aston Villa. Like sometimes you even forget that they've got Coutinho because, you know, me being in the Midlands especially, that's all I heard about Coutinho going to, to Villa, which I thought was a coup. But then he's gone quiet and probably proved... That's the reason why he's gone to Aston Villa instead of a top six side. Um, I think, I just think if we start quickly, if we go there and say, right, we're Spurs, we're challenging for the top four, we want to put pressure on Arsenal and, you know, drift away from United and West Ham. If we stamp that authority down and score early, then I think it's a foregone conclusion because if we control position, take the lead, 
that's brilliant. And then if Aston Villa come on to us, like I said, we've got another way of playing, so we just pick you up on the counter-attack. So I think Conte's got the right mix, and as long as we can keep the same lineup, um, maybe bring Regulon back. I'm not sure what was up with him. I think he's got a slight knee knock, but if we can get that balance and put Matt Duckett back into the position that he normally plays, then I think, you know, it might not be comfortable, but I think we'll win. Yeah, Patrick, you know, obviously, if Regulon was fit, given the performance yesterday, would you would you change anything or would you keep, you know, Doherty and Emerson, given, given the confidence they probably will have picked up from that game yesterday and both scoring? I would keep it the same, to be honest. Um, why, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And the fact that you've got Regulon on the bench, if someone's looking tired or someone does get a knock or you need to change things up, then you obviously can bring on a player of Regulon's quality. I know he's not been great per se over the last month or so, but he's still a good player, if we're being fair. Um, so, yeah, keep it as it is. It worked perfectly against a tricky Newcastle team. You know, Newcastle, I know we, in the end, we, we we battered them, but Newcastle are no slouches and they came to play. You could clearly see they were up for it until, obviously, we just showed our quality and put them to bed. So, keep it as it is. Uh, like I keep saying, it's almost a cliche, but it's true. Respect the opposition, but go out there, have fun and just show what you're good at. Show what you're, you know, what we can do. And I think we win quite comfortably, to be fair. Song, Kane, Kulicheski, we've got too much there for those guys. And then obviously Ben Tanker pulling strings. I, I love Ben Tanker because he's always, he, he breaks the lines with his passes. Or here, literally here, pull two people in. And then all of a sudden, there's so much free space somewhere else. It's almost like the game slows down for him. It's, it's so, you don't find many people with that quality on the ball because he's not lightning quick, but he, all, he always seems to have a second more than the other players around him. And then he can just obviously, like there was two or three times yesterday where he threaded a pass and it was so like inch perfect. And he took out like two or three players with just one move. And, um, you know, when you've got someone like that, it just opens up the whole pitch. And also I really liked as well, you know, watching from like a bird's eye view, you could see both wingers were touched tight to the, to the, to the white chalk. So really spreading the pitch making it as big as possible. And it just gives Kane that option to spray left, right, through the middle. And obviously Son making runs, Kudu making runs. Do the same thing again, home or away, and we should be all right. So let's go for predictions then. Let's go round the table. So Ryan, prediction for Villa away, what are you going with? 4-1. Oh, he has gone confident and big. Look at that. <laughs> so much there is no right. hesitation. Chest is uh, chest is puffed up. I'm going four one Spurs. Massive, Jacob. What are you going with this weekend? Ooh, I'm gonna go with what? What day are we playing on the Saturday? I think Sunday? Monday. I think though, isn't it? Actually, no, we Saturday half five, isn't it? Saturday half uh, five. Saturday half five. Sorry, yes. Um, I'm gonna go over two nil. Two nil. Yeah. I'm Good sorry. result, Patrick. Uh, 3-1. I'm going to stick to what I initially thought when I did all my predictions. 3-1. So, um, yeah. they, they Yeah, 3-1. I think it'll be 2-1 and then we just turn the burners on and just, yeah, comfortably put them to bed. Yeah, do you know what? After the recent form, I, I'm going to go against my early prediction of a loss yes, here at on. the weekend. And yeah. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win. At the nice. weekend, another clean sheet. Don't you yeah. jinx us, Carl? Oh, I know, I know. I know. I know. Remember what you said last week? <laughs> yeah, maybe just think, I'm, I'm sticking with your initial prediction. <laughs> your prediction, I'm gonna, mate. I'm going to ignore this one. Uh, uh, the confidence. I'm feeling the energy now. I'm feeling the kind of energy. 
So just before we sign off, there was one more thing that happened at the weekend that I thought, you know, got a lot of traction on Twitter and thought something we'd just quickly discuss and get some views on. And that was at the weekend, obviously, the Tottenham Supporters Trust actually did a little bit of a protest with the um, Spurs LGBT. Um, And this was to kind of protest against the Newcastle ownership and saying that, you know, human rights are not for sale. Um, Patrick, obviously you didn't see it, even though you was there. So, you know, this wasn't a mass protest, but this is a bit of an own goal, isn't it? From a supporters trust that when you consider at the moment, you know, the club have not been willing to extend season ticket renewals to help the fans and help those that might need that help. The trust haven't been that vocal or seem to want to get involved in any protests against the club, even be it via the Super League or when, you know, it was, you know, things weren't looking great and fans wanted an Enoch out protest. The supporters trust haven't wanted to put their name to anything. So is this a bit of a major own goal on their part to suddenly show up at a game? And and if they're going to do that against Newcastle, well, then we need to... Surely they've got to be there against Man City, haven't they? You know, all these other clubs, you know, and if Chelsea get these new owners in, this was just a major not reading the room, was it? Yeah, or there's something very sinister and fishy going on behind the scenes because why, like you said, Carl, why now? We've had, you know, when, when, um, when we got rid of Jose before a cup final, ended up losing that cup, took ages to get a manager in. We were literally getting pied left, right and centre. We were literally the laughing stock of social media and media outlets worldwide because no matter if it was true or not, they were just leaking every day that we got rejected, even by like Gattuso, this person, that. We were literally a laughing stock. And of course, some of it was exaggerated, but you can imagine how Spurs fans felt. We felt humiliated. Then we brought in Nuno, who was like plan or choice Z. Things started off okay, then went to pot. There's been so many times where legitimately we had a cause for concern and a real reason to protest. Um, you know, losing the cup final last year again, it was how many years without a trophy. These are real moments where we should have really come together as a fan base. And there were people out there saying that we should get together. And like you said, the trust didn't want anything to do with these legitimate times of action. Uh, season ticket prices obviously going up. Then, then, like you said, Carl, not extending it when it's the tightest time it's been for so many fans ever. Uh, energy prices going through the roof, cost of inflation, petrol, all of these things that you know we don't really want to talk about here because this is a time where we forget all of that and enjoy just football and it's a distraction. Yeah. But if we're being real, these are real-life things that affect us anyway on our day-to-day. And the Trust have never got involved in any of that. But now they want to talk about you know human rights and Saudi ownership when it's just odd. It's really odd. And I just, like Carl, to be fair, I didn't even hear about it like that. And I was there. I'll go to every home game. I didn't really see. So they didn't get the traction they wanted, but it's just really odd why they decided to pick this one and run with it as opposed to the real life Spurs issues. Um, so we will find out in due course, because we always do what the real reason behind this was, but definitely seemed a bit odd for me. And I just don't get why, why now and why this. Yeah, Ryan, you know, obviously, let's say when your supporters trust don't seem to get behind serious concerns of your own fans, but then seem to show up to kind of protest against another club's ownership, they've kind of, you know, this won't help their cause, will it? Because it's a, it's something that there's a lot of fans are dubious about how much they get behind to want to help the supporters anyway. So this is just, again, another, another, you know, cross against their name, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not. If if somebody wants to protest something that they feel strongly about, then by all means, protest and do what you feel you can to solve the situation. But it's just like you've said, like Pat said, they need to look at their own doorstep at the same time. There's a lot going on in their own club for their own fans. I mean, obviously, now the stadium's bigger. They've got 60,000 Spurs fans in there at home every week. And the prices are, I think, the highest in the Premier League. There's so much happening outside of football at the minute as well that they could help the fans with, help to keep, because some fans, like I say, with the prices that's going around at the minute, there's probably a lot of fans who will have to give up a season ticket to mm. keep uh, um, roofs over their heads and bills going in. So they need to also, like I say, protest against Newcastle. That's fine if that's what you want to do. And it wouldn't be such a big issue if the supporters of your club felt like you were doing things to help them. I mean, if they did things for us as well, they might have had a few more numbers at that protest yesterday that they did. If the Tottenham fans felt comfortable with what they were doing for their own fans at their own club, then you never know. You could have got higher numbers. But to to protest against that, like you said, Carl, it just puts something out there now that when Man, Man, Man City come to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium... Their owners do different things. The new Chelsea owners that could be coming in, they could have to do the same for them. I mean, it's you've got to concentrate on your own club to begin with. And then, like I say, anything else you want to protest is absolutely fine. That's your decision. With the Saudi owners, It's if you, if you do not like how they operate, if you do not like how they run in a certain way, that's absolutely fine. You can protest. You can get your thoughts out there tell everyone how you feel, but as a Tottenham Hotspur supporters club, they need to start looking at their own doorstep a lot more than they do someone else's. Yeah, I think because I think, Jacob, one of the things that I think upset a lot of people was the fact that they weren't prepared to do something like this with a season ticket price, not the renewals not being extended. Mm-hmm. And you kind of do just feel, don't you, that if at that point they'd said, well, okay, we're going to perform a little protest at the next home game around that the club should have listened to us and extended that. Mm-hmm. Then then if they got involved with something like this, people would be more accepting, wouldn't they? And say, well, yeah, okay, because we've got a trust that are basically when the fans are not done right, they'll get involved and they'll stand up. But the fact that they didn't want to do something like that for season ticket renewals or when the club was going through a bad time, it was obviously going to backfire, wasn't it, what they were pl- trying to plan to do this weekend? You wouldn't be surprised if someone in the trust is getting a little backhander from Daniel Levy saying, look, don't do no protests and, you know, just, you know, protest about other things. Um, You know what I mean? For me, it's like um, when it comes to protesting and stuff like that, it's like, like I said, I'm not I'm not really bothered whether you're in a protest or not, whether you think it works or not. That's that's up to you. But it's like you've got to keep the same energy. You know, if it was someone like me and I wanted to protest, I don't know, against racism or something, then that's something I hate. There's loads of other things in the world I hate along with racism. So then I'd go and protest against that as well. Um, but I think we live in a society now where people don't keep the same energy. You know, it's like when you've got, for instance, Zuma in the cat incident, it's like the whole world, even the prime minister's coming out talking about cats. But then as soon as uh, Antonio comes out and says, you know, keep the same energy when it comes to racism, everyone's talking about, oh, don't bring race into it. It's a, it's a flipping cat. Do you know what I mean? So it's like you got to keep the same energy. Um, you know, with the trust, it's like I, I, 
when you showed me that, I looked into it, I just don't understand it. It's like, I understand if that was our owners, you know, or whatever, yeah. but you'd like to think in, in the future, you know, they're talking about these Saudi Arabia and all this stuff. Well, what are we, what, um, what are the trusts going to do if someone from Saudi Arabia wants to buy a Tottenham of Daniel Levy's um, hands and he can afford it? You know, I mean, and they can afford it. You know, this three billion that's been touted out. If someone from Saudi Arabia says, "All right, then we'll give you four million," are you still going to protest, or are you going to be happy that Tottenham are going to go levels? You know, for me, you just got to be weary with that. Is you know, I, I agree with every single one of you that if you're going to protest about that protest about all the stuff that's been going in-house because this trust has been there for years and effectively Tottenham haven't been doing what they should be doing considering all the efforts, all the coaches, all the money that we've had in and out, all the supporters. You know, we're not, it's not a divine right to say that what we've been doing allows us to go and win titles and cups and leagues and European trophies, but we should be doing a lot better than where we are. But the trust seems to be sitting on there, which makes me think that someone's getting the backhanded to keep their mouth shut. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of what the trust do behind the scenes is some good stuff for the supporters, but I just think they've misread the room there. You know, when they haven't helped their own fans protest against certain things to then show up against something else, I think that does leave a bit of a bad taste and possibly a little bit of an own goal for them there. But anyway, we'll, we'll move on. Better things to talk about. So, guys... Just to wrap up now, the second half's about to get underway, so I'm not going to hold you boys back. <laughs> We've done enough soccer Saturday and given everyone an update. It's still 2-0, just after half-time. If Watch one goes the game. longer. <laughs> yeah. Half the we're going till full-time, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll just wrap it up by thanking the guests. So, again, Jacob, brilliant to have you back on, mate, and hopefully you'll join us again soon. Yeah, 100%. You know, like I said to you all, Ryan knows, Pat knows as well. I love talking football and predominantly Spurs. And, you know, whether it's with you guys, whether it's with Ryan on the Friday night, I do it on my own as well. You know, I've got my own little thing, hence the uh, Twitter handle in the bottom corner. So I plan to just continue doing what I'm doing and talking about football and Tottenham. And that's pretty much it. Nice one, mate. Ryan, appreciate you joining us again tonight and you'll be back again next Monday. Yes, definitely. And... Just remember, everyone, we managed to rest own goals at the weekend, so hopefully he'll be back for the <laughs> big, important player for the club. So you never know what could happen. But no, I love it. Like I say, Jacob, I, work, I do shows with every Friday. He's a brother. And I love working with Jacob, same as Pat. Pat's wise words always keep me in line, keep me ready for the next show. And obviously, Carl, since you've come on, it's been... Uh, great having you host the show as well i love monday mondays are my favorites at the minute so let's hope the boys can keep winning for us to keep uh, happy on a monday great stuff and patrick be back again next monday bringing that yeah. same energy hopefully man and hopefully we'll be talking yeah i mean hope next if things carry on as they are i mean yeah without talking too much we could be actually above them with you know all different standpoints on the board so Long may it continue. All we got to do is win our games and you never even know. Chelsea, I, I didn't mention it because I didn't really get to mention it, but Chelsea got one eye on the, on the FA Cup and one eye on um, the Champions League. So, you know, we're not that far off them if we can keep winning our games. No one's talking about it. It's only 4-4-4. But if we just keep doing our thing, 
the league opens up, as you know, wins change things. Three points every week and all of a sudden you're in a much better place. So, you know, I'm not saying we'll get there, but as long as we keep doing our job, we might not have to just worry about fourth place, which is where we want to be. So, yeah, um, always a pleasure working with you guys. Always have fun. It's great to, like, hear different top, you know, football analysis and and uh, insight from all different Spurs fans and Long may the winning run continue so we can all just be happy and keep talking our talk. That's it. That, that's how we keep sticking those W's like we did in our prediction show. And until next Monday, we shall see you all again soon. Come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.